Okay, try not to be shocked, but welcome to the 2024 reboot of the Beyond Fabulous Travel Today podcast. Doug Wallace here, welcoming you back to the show. Yeah, okay, so I took a break, all right? Like three years. I needed some time, no harm done. Not like, you know, I'm raking in the podcast dollars and had to keep up. So in the travel world, there are two types of people I want to talk about today. Those who make the plans and those who let someone else make plans for them. Some people are Connie controllers and need to have everything a certain way. Hmm. While others are okay with just going with the flow. Where do you think I'm going to fit in? I have a friend who never goes anywhere because he hates the planning that's involved with travel. So when he does get on a plane, his plan is so terrible that he has a horrible time. Doesn't research the parts of town if he's in the city. Doesn't read reviews on what the bus is like. Should have rented a car, yada, yada, yada. Guess what? The Airbnb is cheap because it's gross. And it's in a stupid part of town that no one ever wants to be in. Even the people that live there. Many people suck at this. Such a lot of cluelessivity. And so, here is my definitive list on how to plan a trip. Number one, start by figuring out how much time you have. How many sleeps? Are you going to Australia for two weeks or Bermuda for four days? And how flexible are your dates? Number two, who's coming with you? Don't make your kids come to a secluded do-nothing place. And don't choose a family-oriented place for romance. Pick people with a similar interest, even if it's just, you know, wine. Number three, nail down the type of trip you want. This is all in order, by the way, so you'll notice we're not even getting close to choosing a destination yet. The types of trips can include soft adventure or no adventure, pampering and luxury, beach all-inclusive, whatever. I usually try to plan for a bit of nightlife and a bit of sitting on my ass time, just to strike a balance. Number four. Okay, now you can choose a destination and determine what month you're scheduling your trip. High or low season both have their pros and cons. Shoulder season is usually the most appealing and practical. Number five. Set a budget. This will keep you from biting off more than you can afford. The type of trip affects the cost, obviously. Start with a spreadsheet. Include the flights, the hotels, other transport, meals and entertainment, tours and guides, insurance, tips, parking, transfers, cabs, everything. Write it all down. Remember that mom's not there to make sure you actually keep to the budget. You merely have to set it. Number six, two words, Google Flights. Set an alert on Google Flights, and they'll update you when the price changes. And when it reaches Goldilocks level, you pounce. Using your preferred airlines helps you earn royalty rewards too, of course. I sometimes find that booking directly with the airline is the most cost-effective route. So don't be afraid to use your points, really. There's no sense of amassing them if you're not going to use them, because that's what they're for. Number seven, then pick a hotel, rent the car, book the train, carry on, using your own threshold with regards to cancellation. 
If you'll just worry about that you can't cancel something, book things that are cancelable. Peace of mind is often money well spent. Number eight. Oh God, is it getting this long? Number eight is really create an itinerary. It can be as bare bones or as detailed as you want. Just don't wing it. Or you'll just waste precious holiday time. And make sure you schedule in naps and days for nothing but your book. And plan B's for bad weather. Number nine, boilerplate. Details include the visas, the passports, travel insurance, vaccinations, what's going on with the dog, all those things. Figure out your eSIM card phone plan, hit the currency exchange for a tiny little bit of foreign cash for your wallet when you land. And number 10, just go already. So, we're busy packing for a quick ski trip to Montreblanc, trying to find the ski pants that I could actually do up. And I was thinking back to a nice week around this time last year in Rossland, BC, at Red Mountain Ski Resort. This is in the Kootenays in southeastern BC. It's one of those under-the-radar yet top-level ski resorts you didn't know about but should. The unofficial slogan is a drinking town with a skiing problem. But it kind of suits the resort, though, because it almost has a little bit of a hippie vibe. What would be a good word? Ragamuffin? It's just so relaxed and a little rough around the edges, with cast-off chairlifts from other Western Canada resorts. But that's the charm. Rossland itself used to be a mining town, but now it's all about the 4,000 acres of terrain across almost 120 runs, and the 300 inches of snow per year. Advanced skiers really love Red Mountain, thanks to plenty, plenty of off-piece space in the woods and one of the largest cat-skiing operations in the world. That's where Big Snowcat with tracks takes you up um, to ski in the fresh snow in the backcountry, rather than a helicopter. It's way less expensive, and it looks cooler. I stayed at the Josie Hotel, which is part of Marriott's autograph collection, and it was quite quite all right. And there's a ski concierge, which always makes me feel, I don't know, fancy. And outdoor saunas, which is really awesome. Really cool crowd, too. Red also has accommodation halfway up the mountain for ski-in only overnight stays. This is the coolest thing. It's an eco-friendly six-cabin Constella collection. Sleep in and ski out. And then there's what they call no-shower happy hour at the base bar called Rafters. It's a crazy pub in the attic of one of the lodges. Really, really cool. All of this is a great plan and well worth the drive from Kelowna. I highly recommend you add it to the winter to-do list. So, I've been on a couple of really cool cruises the last few months. And I seem to run into people all the time afterward who are anti-cruise because They don't know what's out there these days, what it costs or how sustainable it actually is. Really, they have no information and they should have no opinion, but they do. Yes, liquid natural gas is still a fossil fuel, but all the new science that's going into today's ships is really pretty amazing, I gotta say. The thing is, you maybe haven't found the best cruise for you. There are small ship soft adventure cruises of 50 people where you go kayaking every day and fabulous European cruises where you do nothing but eat cheese and wander through castles. 
and tall ship sailing ships with 16 masts and super yacht island hopping adventure and expensive expedition cruises to the polar regions. Do you see where I'm going with this? The list goes on and on. What bothers me is that people just write it all off without knowing what's out there or what anything's all about. I think we're going to do a what type of cruise is right for me top 10 in the coming months. So please stay tuned. Speaking of cruises, I was on a recent cruise and had the chance to review a lot of bad manners. I watched a guy wearing shorts complain about having to go put a pair of pants on at 6 p.m. Gah, shut up already, buddy. The adults are having drinks. And I sat beside a young woman who berated the waiter for calling her madame instead of mademoiselle. Seriously, this happened. I thought she was kidding. Then she had to taste three or four red wines to decide which one to have without just going with the nice sommelier's recommendation. You know, here's my recommendation. Take yourself down a peg. Maybe two pegs if you're a real drip. Dinner was great, though. And that's a piece of my mind, however small. (laughs) That's my mother's word, right? Drip. I guess today's moral is... If you're mean to the service staff, you got bigger problems than just Mademoiselle. Find tips like this and many more actual tips at travelright.today because by God, where I come from, we have manners. Thanks for stopping by. Bye.